Hi everybody, I'm Peter Travers and welcome to Popcorn where we tell you what is popping in the culture. And today my guest is Tim Daly who co-stars in a show <laughs> called Madam Secretary, which I have watched from the beginning and completely, completely love. So it is great to have you here. Thank you so much, it's great. An honor to be uh, here. I've been reading your reviews for a long time. Well, you say that now, but you know, who knows what will happen later. You'll say, what? how dare you? you know? <laughs> oh God, that's but true. I, have my, I forgot, well, I'm gonna butter you up hard. I wanna say right away that your character, uh, Dr. Henry McCord, is to me as unique a character as I see on any kind of network TV show anywhere. Uh, a scholar, religious scholar, who is concerned about ethics, who also works for the NSA. How about <laughs> you know? that? So talk about how did you get involved in this in the first place, and, and did you even help develop who this character was? Uh, I mean, the, the bones of the character were there um, mm -hmm. when I met with Barbara Hall, and, and she uh, pitched this to me. And I thought that um, it was a, a fascinating dilemma for a person, an internal dilemma, to be someone who was, because I knew b before the audience found out that he was in the NSA, that he would be. So um, I thought it was this wonderful chance to uh, have a guy that is constantly trying to write his ethical and moral course. Because um, mm -hmm. I think that the mistake that a lot of us make in life is we think that our ethics or our morals are a fixed thing. Um, when in truth, it's a practice, right? You have to, every time you are faced with a different dilemma, you have to ask yourself, every day. What, what, yes, what works and, and what can I live with and what um, doesn't betray my uh, ethical uh, center. And in addition to your acting and playing Dr. McCord on this show, you're the president of the Creative Coalition. I am. Which is, you know, I know people that, that deal, then you're concerned again with ethics. True. Uh, and, and one of the things that uh, the lines that we walk in the Creative Coalition mm -hmm. is that we are an arts advocacy organization, mm -hmm. so we're nonpartisan. So we have to make sure that we don't uh, reveal our own personal political leanings too much when we're operating uh, as a member of the Creative Coalition. For mm -hmm. instance, I've been to uh, now six political conventions, um, Democrat and Republican. I feel it's really important to go to both. Uh, and well, when I was at the Democratic Convention, this is kind of a truth reality <laughs> story. Um, I found myself in the basement of the arena at, at, uh, in Philadelphia there, and in walked former President Bill Clinton. And he looked at me across the room and he said, you, come over here, I got to talk to you. He said, listen, I've been the husband of the Secretary of State. I know what that's like, but I got to get into some of this spy stuff like you now. You got to tell me how I do that. And he grabbed me, we had a long conversation. Turns out that Bill and Hillary, I've read this, but they are truly huge fans of Madam Secretary, which is kind of fun. That's great when you're doing that, thinking that they're watching to do that. You know? yes. yeah, but the, the, another thing that's, that's fun about, about Madam Secretary is that um, it, it's, it, it shows you that these politicians that we have, no matter what you think, and no matter what their image on television, they are actually real people. The same thing happened to me when I met Madam Secretary Madam Al Madeleine Albright. Mm -hmm. I was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and I was doing a show called Private Practice at the time, and she came up to me and she said, oh my God, Pete from Private Practice, and you and Violet, and the, she knew all the character, more, she knew the plot of the show more than I did. And I was like, wait a minute, you are Madeleine Albright, you're dealing with geopolitical crises <laughs> every day, and you watch any TV show? <laughs> That's right. I was shocked, but 
like a lot of people, she has her shows. Well, because you have to escape, don't you? And you try to escape in something you can enjoy that, that doesn't insult you at the same time as you're enjoying it. That would which be the is hope, good. Yeah. That would be always the hope. It's funny because when Taya was here, mm -hmm. I, I asked the personal question about the two of you being involved. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, well, you know, you saw that picture of us at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, but I was just the beard for Madeleine Albright. That's this right. is who Tim really is into, mm -hmm. you know. So that was a good dodge of that question. She is my White House Correspondents' <clears throat> Dinner that, girlfriend, <laughs> Madeleine Albright. That's what's really happening. That's, that's but the real story. But without going into any detail, here you are playing husband and wife, mm -hmm. and you have this relationship. Doesn't that get in the way of what you're doing, or does it help? Well, um... I think that um, Tay and I approach uh, the work very, in a very similar way. We both take it very seriously, we both work really hard, mm -hmm. and we both want to have a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And we're both dedicated to finding, one of the things that attracted both of us to this show is um, the family element. Otherwise we're sort of in the, the area of a lot of other political shows, but seeing behind the curtain into the family was really important to everybody there, and especially Tay and me. So um, we worked really hard on f making this aspirational relationship um, have, a, have some truth to it and have a lot of truth in this family. And uh, I think that once we found that common ground and worked so hard and had so much fun, that um, I don't think anything can get in the way of that. Uh, you know, we're both professional actors, and I don't think we're going to let our private stuff get in the way of what we do when we're, when we're at work. Well, good, you know. Yeah. I just think sometimes it could bleed into it and be fine, because what I love uh, about the relationship you have on the show and what the show is, which is very political on one side, mm -hmm. and then very much the family. I just love that the Secretary of State and our almost theologian husband. Mm -hmm who knows all of these things about ethics, uh, don't agree on anything. I love that your youngest son is an anarchist. <laughs> I love that <laughs> in this house it isn't, well, look what great parents we have, so we're just going to be the most terrific models of children. You know, I, I mean, I think you could make a case that Henry and Elizabeth McCord are not great parents. <laughs> you know, they, I mean, they definitely have some challenges, but that's, I, I think, what makes the audience attracted to the show, actually, because if you think about it, just the, the bare bones of it, these are problems that a lot of people have. Two, two working parents, a house where there's still kids there, they've just moved recently to a new environment, um, you know, there's school and work and all this stuff. That's what American families, for the most part, deal with. And granted, this is a very high level, um, but um, there, there is this element of they're just like us. Do you have input into this? Do you, can you say to the writing team and to whatever, why aren't we doing this or how about this? Well, from my point of view, what, what I'm really most interested in in this show uh, is, is the family because I, I am interested in how people feel about things. Mm -hmm. um, I think as an actor, emotions are my currency and my area of expertise. So if I, I don't, I don't, um, I mean, I care somewhat, obviously, but I don't feel that being involved in plotting the show or in coming up with uh, scenarios or, or world crises that might work for the show um, is as important for me as finding out how my character and the other characters feel about the situations that they're in. Because that, I think, is what um, makes people engaged in any uh, you know, film drama is 
what the, what the characters are feeling, not just what they're doing. Well, there's a humanity that has to be there. Otherwise, people are just speaking. I mean, yes. You know, I, I'll tell you a story. I was uh, invited to this um, podcast last winter, I think it was, or maybe the winter before, I can't remember, called The Infinite Monkey Cage. And it's this Brit BBC or British podcast that's wildly popular uh, with this guy, um, uh, uh, Robin Ince, who's a comedian. And, uh, oh gosh, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of the scientist, but this renowned um, uh, astrophysicist, um, uh, Brian Cox mm -hmm. and Robin Ince. And he um, was a actually a former rock star. And I'm sitting on this panel with, the with these guys and this woman named Jenna Lavin from Columbia, who's an uh, a cosmologist, and Bill Nye, the science guy. And they're talking, and, and me, yeah. and I'm sitting there and they're talking about black holes and string theory and alternate universes and time travel. And I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing on this panel? And I looked up and over us, projected on a screen, was a quote from Carl Sagan. And it said, for small creatures such as we, the vastness is only bearable through love. And I thought, now I know why I'm here. Because Carl Sagan understood the great minds like Carl Sagan and Einstein understand that all of this scientific knowledge and curiosity and information and research is only meaningful if you put it into an emotional context. And that's where the artists come in, right? That's mm -hmm. where uh, artists speak in, a, in the common human language and connect us all to um, all this knowledge and, and stuff. So you're absolutely right. That's a long way of saying that how we feel about things um, is what connects us as human beings and what well, makes us. Otherwise, we're kind. just statistics or we're part of yeah. the whole digiverse that says this is what we are, molecules, and you don't add that other thing to it. Right. But you were brought up in an acting family. I this was. was something that was in your DNA to do this. Yes, kind of like a congenital yeah. disease, maybe. Well, I don't know. I just think <laughs> it's kind of it's different when somebody grows up and says, well, I'm 13 years old now, it's puberty, I think I'll, I, this is what I want to do with my energy and be involved in this, but you would bear with it from the beginning. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Growing up with actors uh, is odd, you know. Um, I, there were actors, you know, running around my living room when I was a little kid, and it was like, Timmy, this is George Scott, I'm like, hello, this is Helen Hayes, hi, you know, and they were just a bunch of drunken grown-ups. <laughs> I didn't know who these people were. Yeah. And so I was never, I, I was never impressed by actors in that sort of agilent fan way, um, I, I um, was impressed by good acting. And my parents were very astute at, at talking about performances or, or the theater and, or you know, theatrical material. Um, so when I got out of high school, I took a couple of years off and did a lot of blue collar jobs, traveled around the United States a lot. And then I realized that storytelling is something that I had an aptitude for, and I kind of took it seriously. And now I find myself in the position where both of my children have become actors. And I, I can't explain it. And it was a surprise and You didn't uh, try to, to stop them? You didn't say I, no? I didn't try to stop them, and I, and, um, and I certainly didn't encourage them. But here they are um, wanting to do this. And it's, on the one hand, scary because I know that... Um, not everyone is going to have the amount of uh, luck and, and opportunity that, have I, that I've had. Uh, but on the other hand, it's a huge honor. And, and, I, and I sort of thought, well, maybe if, you know, maybe if I was a cobbler, if I was a great cobbler, they'd want to be cobblers. 
also. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the family business. Well, we don't know that. You know, it's just that sometimes when you're around something and you see it, you want to go a different direction. You want to say, no, that's what my parents do and I can't really do this. Well, but I did that a, and both my kids did that for a while. For a while and, and then, then it was they, over. Well, your parents were divorced too, right? So you're a child were. of divorce where that happens. I saw an interview where you did, it broke my heart. It was you talking about your dad being gay but couldn't say he was mm -hmm. and how, to, how you live with that and not know it. You really, you had no idea this was happening while you were a kid? No, although, you know, sometimes, I mean, that was such a huge secret in my family. Mm -hmm. For me, it was as if my life was a jigsaw puzzle and there was one piece missing and I was this close to it, right? I was just like, like this, so I couldn't see that piece. And when the piece went in, my entire life went into full relief, and I sort of had to go back and reevaluate everything based on this one little bit of knowledge that I didn't have as a kid that mm -hmm. I now had at 19 years old. Mm -hmm. um, so it was uh, a couple of years before I was able to sort of come to grips with it and, and figure deal out with what it. it and then you and your dad, you were going to act together. Yes, we were doing a production of, of Equus, and this is one of those Jesus, things. Jesus, Equus, yes, this, oh, great, great, wow. This is one of those things that, you, you know, you tell it, it seems like a momentous, mm -hmm. uh, you know, point in my life, but my dad died uh, early in the morning of the first day of rehearsals for this play. And so there The first are, thing you were going to do together. The first thing we were going to do together. Mm -hmm. um, we had done something else when I was 10 years old, mm -hmm. uh, a production of Enemy of the People, uh, that some kid was, you know, a little pain in the ass. They fired him and they put me in. I didn't know what I was doing. I was running around having a great time. But it, it didn't, I did not get the acting bug then. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I was still in college and um, my dad died on that, on that morning and I had to go and, you know, uh, get him taken care of and buried, or cremated and all that stuff. And then I came back and I did the, the play. And it's one of those moments where I wonder what my life would have been like had my father not died. Had we done that play together, mm -hmm. what would his opinion have been of me? What would my, uh, my drive have been to succeed and carry on? I don't know, but it was like at that moment, my, my safety net was removed from my life. And yeah, I had to and I would think not only is that wrenching, but that it would be something you would want to know, that you would want him to have some pride in what it was you were doing. Yes. I mean, he knew that I got the part, so yeah. I knew he was proud of that. that yeah. um, and, uh, but the rest is all conjecture. Your sister, Tyne Daly, is a huge acting success. Yes. She's a powerhouse. Yeah. She, she acts in a way that is very different from what you're doing. You're not, mm -hmm. you, you may be siblings, but it's a whole different thing there. Can you go to her and can she come to you as actors and, and criticize each other? and say, helpfully criticize each other? Um, I think we can. Uh, you know, we, we both, it's interesting because both of us uh, are unafraid to do things that are sort of off kilter. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, people mostly know me from network TV and that's the most sort of homogenous that, uh, that I will ever be because living within me, uh, my, my, my exterior does belies what goes on in me, which is a very strange, bizarre man. So when I'm doing <laughs> theater or some other small film projects and The Daily Show, this show I do with my son, you know, you see a whole, a whole different thing. It's much more adventurous. So Tyne and I have tended to do things that are sort of a disaster. And usually when they're over, we 
tell each other, like, um, you know that thing you did? Not so much. And we go, yeah, I know. Oh, God, I, I can't believe I talked myself into doing that. But it was, you know, a great stretch. And, and it should be stuff. later that the criticism comes in, yeah. Yeah. Not during it when it has to be done. Yeah, but but it, no, Tim, I've seen you play. I mean, The Sopranos, mm-hmm. that, was, that, that guy was an Yeah, he was an interesting yeah, guy. He was was, a, but he was interesting, yeah. you know? And I mean, you, you played. I mean, Wings is one thing. It's a romantic funny leading man person persona that you played through your career then mm-hmm. you played these other people who are different which i think must be the challenge and the fun of being an actor well yeah i mean yeah. i i um a couple of years ago i was on some red carpet someplace and some young woman put a microphone in my face and said what are you doing to enhance your brand and i was like my brand really like like no, no, your brand. I like. I can't even go there. So I, I think that it's my responsibility to poke around in as many areas of the human experience as I can possibly get to, um, and some I might do more successfully than others. But I think that's uh, what artists are meant to do: is to find every last corner of. Um, human experience and and expose it to other people and see if people identify with it. Or, well, that or is the thing. While maintaining, as you were saying before with that quote, this passion that's equal or maybe even more than equal for your family, for what it is, to do a show like that, the Daily Show. I love that it was the Daily Show. Did John Stewart ever have something to now, say? To that you? would have been the pinnacle of su- success. If we had gotten a cease and desist letter from yeah. John Stewart, that would have <laughs> yeah. been, we would have been over the top. But it's D-A-L-Y for it those is. people that want to go check yeah. that out. But th- this is the other thing. It, growing up with actors, um, th- you know, artists are notoriously considered people who are uh, immature and insane and uh, irresponsible and... I contend that you can be a decent, responsible human being and a true artist. And I'm, I'm sticking to that. I do not think you have to be an mm-hmm. to be someone who... To play um, one. To, to be, <laughs> exactly. Yes. That's it. That's a great thing. It's great. All right. Well, this show, this is the first time on the show. I hope you'll come back. I will. But the fact is it ends in song, always. Now... I'm not going to tell you. It's just I want to know something in your head. You could try to shame your sister Tyne and do Rose's turn oh, if you cool. want. We have uh, we have the seven minutes if you if you uh, want to do it. But oh. I. <laughs> okay, ready? There's, I'm ready. I'm ready. Girl, you really got me now. You got me so I don't know what I'm doing. <clears throat> yeah, girl, you really got me now. You got me so I can't sleep at nine. That's, that's all you get. But that's perfect. You know, I was hearing and doing that a cappella. <laughs> wow. That was in your head, too? That no, was not in my head. No, I was still doing Rose's turn. Oh. You know? <laughs> I had a dream. You oh, know, but oh here we go. Yeah, Come yeah. On. Here, no. We'll leave that to your sister to uh, do that. Tim, thank you so much. Peter, so nice thank to see you. Thank you. That Thanks. was great. Okay, that wraps up another edition of the Popcorn with Peter Travers podcast. If you liked it, be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can also find Popcorn on Twitter and Facebook at PopcornABCNews. I also want to thank the people who helped produce this podcast. Angela Williams, Brian Fudge, Josh Cohen, David Fazekas, David Miller, Michael Rothman, Alexa Valiente, and the head of ABC News Digital, Dan Silver. I'll talk to you next Friday.